Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning from my palatial studios in Fort Collins. Uh, it's going to be a beautiful day out. Um, and by the way, those of you that have been following me on Facebook, you wanted you. Uh, I made I made a post earlier in the week to whether or not I would uh, I would go bass fishing this afternoon and chase big bass, or whether I would get together with my music group. Wickstrom and Dobrith and work on some new releases in the studio, but we would do it on the patio actually with some wine. And every one of you told me I should go fishing today. None of you wanted, I guess, to hear me play guitar and sing, but we're going to either during this show or in a post this weekend, I'm going to unveil what my decision was just for fun. By the way, you should follow us on Facebook because um, everything we do on this show, we, we tell you what's coming up. When we're going to get special guests on this show, we do it on Facebook. When we're going to, uh, when we put a new video on our our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, we put that on Facebook. We do trivia. We put that on Facebook. So follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We're going to talk talk a lot of fishing today with the weather kind of changing in and out, seasons changing. Uh, We've got a lot to cover, so let's go to the phones. And joining us, he's a Hall of Fame angler. He's the host of Lake Commandos TV, a longtime friend of mine, Steve Panaz. Good morning, Steve. Hey, good morning. Is it a beautiful day there as as it is here? Yeah, I I think it's better if you want to know the truth. (laughs) I can rub it in a little. By the way, did I give you the wrong phone number this morning? Yeah, I, 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 hey, anybody wants uh, Terry's cell number, just give me a call. I'll be happy to share it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they'd have to have your cell phone number to call. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That was a no, safe offer. I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to rub it in. In fact, well, while you were hooking up, I was talking about my post on whether I'm going to go chasing big bass this afternoon or whether I'm going to be on the patio with my music group, Wickstrom and Dobrith working on some new releases, and I said sometime during the show or on Facebook later today, I'll reveal what's going on. But, yeah, it's going to be in the mid to high 70s here, and it was 70 yesterday here, too. So how does that compare to the Minnesota weather? Well, let's just put it this way. Our ice, I'm looking at the lake right now. It's out about 50, 75 feet, and it froze again last night. So, uh, but we got clear skies and no uh, wind, and I'll take it after five or seven days of constant rain and snow. So we're in good shape. <laughs> yeah, and that wind everywhere, I think, was brutal the last few days. But we're all ready. You know, a, a big difference here between Minnesota, of course, we're, I used to say I grew up there. Karen says I just got older there. But, <laughs> but, but um, you know, we had seasons, and there was this anticipation of opening day of fishing season. In Colorado, we don't have that. What we have is year-round fishing, and then the the conditions kind of dictate when you, you know, when does the ice go off a lake, when is a lake, of the boat ramps might not be open, different boat ramps open at different times, but we really don't have fishing seasons, so we don't get that same pent-up anticipation in Minnesota, which sometimes it was kind of fun, you know, opening day. How many opening days have you been out there in the most miserable weather you've ever seen? 
Oh, many. I mean, it's it's shocking how, for, for some reason, it always seems to snow on opening day. But still, <laughs> as you mentioned, the tradition and the anticipation, and it's it, it's a special time to really uh, celebrate a, a, a cultural thing, not only here in Minnesota, but just everywhere. Oh, it really is. Now, I'm going to pick your brain in case I am going bass fishing this afternoon. You never know. Early season bass fishing. Uh, ponds, lakes, uh, how do you approach it, and what type of baits do you use? Well, it depends if I'm shore fishing or if I'm going to be fishing from a boat. But if I'm shore fishing, it it can limit a little bit what you're able to throw because it, it's shallow near shore and then deeper out of ways. A lot of times in those situations, I like to throw uh, baits like jigs that are dynamite in colder water situations, especially for big fish, uh, some, something that 3 8 uh, quarter ounce or you know even heavier if, you, if you're on some rock and stuff and the fish are aggressive uh, but in the boat I'm a big fan this time of year of a couple different baits I like some of the flat-sided crankbaits especially the ones that are more silent without the rattles uh, the Berkeley Fritz side uh, was just used to win uh, you know the uh, MLF Red Crest uh, by Bobby Lane and it's a bait that's really, uh, I'm finding, is not only a great bass bait, but it's also been superb on really big walleyes. And so if you're out throwing a, uh, you know, fish in that five to seven feet of water, that, that Fritz side five or the Fritz side seven, I've, I've had dynamite luck on those. And then the other thing I really like to throw are, are jerk baits that time of year. Um, I, I like to throw them on fluorocarbon, like an eight or maybe 10 pound fluorocarbon, depending on the situation. But uh, baits like uh, the Stunna uh, was the one last year's uh, Bassmaster Classic is another Berkeley bait, but that that's a, a very unique jerk bait. It gets down, it holds, it triggers strikes. Uh, it's a fun bait to fish, but those are great options. You know, speaking of the jerk baits, they work for bass, they work for walleyes in the cold weather situations, and they actually. They don't get enough credit for working year-round as, as the seasons change, as the water warms. You just end up, yeah. what I end up doing is I end up changing my cadence. Is that what you do? Yeah, it was funny. I was out with a, a, a very avid bass fisherman, and, and uh, he was in Minnesota in July, and I broke out a jerkbait, and he looked at me like I was ill because it just it, it gets pegged as a cold-water bait. But it really is a great year-round bait, especially – like you say, the, the key with a jerkbait is to adjust the the the, the you know the the cadence. Uh, is it like a stroke stroke pause, or is it a stroke 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 pause, or pause stroke? And those, that it, believe it or not, that can make such a huge difference. And then, especially in cold water situations, that pause can be very very key. And sometimes it's a much longer pause that people are, especially me, are able to give it. But um, yeah, it's those bass will just sit there and wait for that thing to twitch and and they'll smash it, and it's a fun bait to fish. And, you know, you, you mentioned it's so hard sometimes in cold water to pause that long enough because you you give it, whether it's a jerk or a couple jerks or a few twitches, and then the pause, and that pause is actually the trigger. And uh, you think you've paused forever, and I'd always tell people, when you think you've paused long enough, count to 10 in a cold water because it's almost impossible to pause it too long. I, I would agree with that, especially early. And then later in the summer, you can fish it a lot more aggressively. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good thing. And the other thing I like to look at on a, on a jerkbait is, does it rise on the pause? Does it hold on the pause? Or does it sink on the pause? 
I like something that's more neutrally buoyant or something that rises very, very slowly on the pause. And uh, one of the things I like to do is, especially with some baits that uh, uh, I'll spend some time with them in clear water, and then I'll actually use some lead tape around the, the hooks to just kind of tweak the baits to get them to do exactly what I want. And, boy, once you get a jerkbait uh, tuned in and, and rolling, that thing can really be deadly. Oh, jerkbaits. And, you know, you can you can cover a fair amount of water with jerkbaits. One of the things this time of the year, and again in the fall sometimes, unless you can find gathered up fish, uh, you think you should be subtle, but you have to cover some water sometimes, especially in uh, bigger bodies of water where the fish could be spread out. What do you feel uh, this time of the year, Steve, when you get to crankbaits far as ones that make a lot of noise or have a ton of action versus more subtle action? I prefer more subtle action this time of year. Having said that, there are times when uh, when rattle baits, like the rattle trap type baits, can be dynamite early season baits. Um, I was stunned one year on the Mississippi River. Uh, the, the ice went out two days before a tournament. A buddy went down to pre-fish because I, I couldn't go, and he called me up. He says, I didn't sign up for the tournament because I never caught a fish. I says, well, I've already set aside time. Let's just go fishing. And we went out on a, a, a stretch of actively moving water. Water temp was 42 degrees. I'll never forget this. And I'm throwing a, a rattle bait. I don't remember which bait it was, but I had smallmouth chasing it to the rod tip in 42-degree water, and they're just smoking it. And so that can be one of those, uh, if you need to cover water, that's a good option. It's, it doesn't have the big hard wobble that goes back and forth. And it seems to be easier for the fish to catch. I mean, it's amazing how many times fish will miss when they're not um, not, not super active or they just can't. Uh, they're just not in a huge feeding mode. And, and a rattle bait with that little tight action and it's a straight running bait is pretty easy for those fish to target. Yeah, and both subtle crankbaits, rattle baits, and the stick baits, or even and the and the uh, jerk baits. Uh, do you have a similar rigging for line and rod and reel for all of them, or do you vary it quite a bit? No, I actually, uh, the only thing I vary is the rod uh, and and the, the retrieve ratio on the reel. Um, I, I'm a fan of like a 6-4 to 1 retrieve, a, a slower retrieve with the jerk baits and the, and the cranks, but I'm not afraid of like a 7-0 to 1. Um, and when I'm fishing rattle baits, a 6-4 to 1 is a little bit too slow for me. I like about a 7-0 to 1. You can slow it down or speed it up, but that's it. And then in terms of line, I like fluorocarbon for all three baits. It, uh, it casts well on bait casting gear especially. It's tough. It's, it sinks. It's near invisible. Um, and it's just a great performing line uh, for all three types of baits. One of the things I do, sometimes we get some pressured water here because of our, we don't have as much surface water as you do in Minnesota. And I'll use a, yeah. a spinning rod for my jerk bait so that I can get a longer cast. And a lot of times I'll use a, a super bait, but I'll put maybe a three-foot fluorocarbon leader on it using 100% fluorocarbon from Berkeley. And that keeps it from uh, tangling as much and also gives me that fluorocarbon uh it less visible in the water and it seems to react better. Do you ever go to that or are you strictly fluorocarbon all the way? Well, spinning rods have really improved in, in recent years. There has been a huge advancement in the engineering side of spinning reels where they're able to build gears in a much better, more efficient and, and 
you know, higher tech way than they used to. It's even even ten years ago. And spinning gear has really come a long way. And so I'm I'm relearning. I grew up with spinning gear. I sort of left it to uh, when I started fishing more big, you know, big pike and muskies and stuff like that. But but uh, no, I'm a fan of spinning gear. I think that uh, what they're coming out with uh, is is superb, and uh, they're priced higher, which which is worthwhile because you know you used to buy a thirty, forty, fifty dollar reel and you get a couple seasons out of it. And now you, you're spending two or three times that, but you're getting a reel that will literally last, you know, a decade or more. And it's it's good investments and they're, and they're quality. But, yes, no, I, I, I'm a fan of that situation where you've got to cover a lot of water and make super long casts, especially in super clear water. That braid to fluoro uh, option is really a good one. Yeah, I, I use that quite a bit. You know, I want to go back to the the Fritz side crankbait that you said you love this time of the year. That's a flat side crankbait. Why don't you explain to people why you would choose a flat side crankbait over a round, more round one? Well, one of the things this time of year is is the fish are not they're they're not one hundred percent in terms of uh, active. And, and it's, it can be a situation where you can fish a bait that's just simply more than the fish can handle or respond to. And so the Fritz side, is a, is a, it has a very tight wobble. It's not, it's not a big searching or hunting style bait that goes back you know, a foot or two each way. It just basically wobbles in its place. And as you pull forward, without the, without the rattles, it's a silent bait. So it's one of these baits that fish seem to really respond to early in the season. They're great up against the rocks and some of the crop patterns. And if you guys are a walleye, if you're fans of walleye fishing, especially big fish, it gives them a big profile, but it also has that tight wobble that walleyes like, especially the big walleyes. And so it's a good choice for for both uh, early bass and for uh, giant walleye. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about some of those big walleyes a little later in the show. Before we run out of time, one of the reasons I've always uh, respected you so much, well, there's very few actually, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, all seriousness, um, you've been very much involved uh, in special needs. Uh, it affects your family and uh, the U.S. Olymp- uh, Unified Sports Olympics, USA Olympics. Kind of tell us yeah. a little bit about your involvement in that and what's going on. Well, I've, a lot of people that follow me on Facebook have been introduced to Pierce, my son. He's 21. We just got back. We literally uh, went out for a, what he calls a walk in the forest, and we grabbed a couple turkey calls, and he was practicing his uh, his uh, his cuts and his and his yelps and, and purrs and everything. He's actually really good on a slate call, and we're going to try turkey hunting a little bit later this year. But what happens in unified sports is when you take people with special needs and you pair them with kids, that don't have special needs or even adults, you, you create a bond that I don't think anybody expected when this was really launched back in uh, 2009, 2010. It was adopted at Pierce's high school when uh, I think it was 2012. And what's funny is a lot of the kids that wanted to get involved in unified sports, they said, well, we want to help these kids with special needs. And when they got done with the program, they found out that they were getting more out of the program than I think the kids with special needs. They learned what inclusion could really mean. And um, I, I personally have never given Pierce enough credit uh, in the USA games in Seattle in 2018. He buried two three pointers in a row. Uh, his team won silver medal. And I, he, he touched me in a, at a level that I just, 
I, I can't explain it. If you've ever been around us, someone with Down syndrome, uh, it, he just, uh, Pierce has blown me away. And so I, I really recommend folks that are considering adding inclusion programs like uh, Unified Sports to their to their curriculum at school. It's, it's, it's probably the best thing you could do to change the entire culture in your school. I know it, it really affected our school in a way that is amazing, and it, it trains future leaders. Pierce had a little, he called it his posse, four or five buddies and one's at the Naval Academy now one's at West Point and a couple other going through med school and 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 so we're training leaders uh through programs like this as well and you know a story is the young man who went to West Point who's still at West Point he came home after his first I don't know if they call it semester or whatever and he had a a, a tattoo on his chest and his mom went crazy she goes what is that he said, Mom, it's a trisomy 21 symbol. I miss Pierce so bad, I just had to keep him with me. And that's the kind of uh, changes that this, these programs make. And I hope people support them because uh, Pierce, is, is, Pierce is showing us how to live. He really is. All right. We are out of time, but you did mention to me, I think it's Jersey Mike Subs puts a lot of money into the project. Yeah, Jersey Mike uh, had a program just out of the blue uh, a couple weeks back. Uh, yeah, a week or a half ago, and they – they uh, gave donated all proceeds from the uh, their sale that day to uh, Special Olympics USA Games, and Pierce was actually featured in their commercial, which was kind of a big shock uh, from the basketball days. But yeah, they donated twenty two million dollars to the USA Games, and if um, you know this is going to happen in June down in Orlando, so I encourage everybody to tune in and check it out. It's a pretty it's a pretty awesome event. All right, my friend, we have to run. We're over time, but that's such a touching uh, touching subject. I wanted to make sure we spoke on it. You've been so involved, and uh, kudos to you for the way you stick with Pierce and your family and all the things you've done. We'll talk to you soon, Steve. Awesome. Thank you. Have a great day, guys. You, you bet. Steve Panaz, just a great guy. Ran a little over, but we'll make up for it. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back. Uh, Al O'Lee from Parks and Wildlife is going to join us, and we're going to talk about their partners program on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones. Joining us from Parks and Wildlife is Al O'Lee. Good morning, Al Good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine. We're going to have a little bit of limited time here, so let's kind of get to it. Um, first of all, you were on previously, and you talked about the Partners Conference and yes. that's up in Aspen, I believe. And you're t- you, we talked earlier, and you're telling me that is full. Is that right? Yes. Um, it's actually in Vail, Colorado at the Hive. Oh, the Vail. Um, okay, yeah. It is now completely sold out, and... I'm very excited to see everyone that registered, and this is a great networking opportunity. So, yeah. And let's talk a little bit about partners. Just because that conference is sold out doesn't mean you aren't soliciting new partners or trying to expand the program. Talk to people about the partners program. What does it entail? So the partners in the outdoors program is essentially a network of people who have organizations or creative agencies that align with the mission of Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And we really are focusing on expanding our partnerships to be more inclusive and representative of society throughout the state. 
Um, so this is just a great way to connect with people um, and learn more about outdoor recreation and conservation work in the state. Now, are you looking for communities? Are you looking for government organizations? Are you looking for affinity groups, for nonprofits? What type of organizations are you really trying to partner with so you can share resources? So you basically hit the nail on the head. We are open to partnerships of all kinds and um, definitely looking to to have those conversations with potential partners that are completely different from the, the partners that we currently have because we're trying to, again, reach more demographics, um, and that includes uh, non uh like different religious backgrounds, veterans, retirees, um, black and brown communities, um, uh, disabled communities. And so, yeah, we're trying to be really inclusive, and those partnerships can come on any level. Okay, and how does somebody sign up or start or find out if one of these partnerships would be a viable, something viable for their organization? And what do they get? Do they get shared resources, or and what do they have to give? So our website, cpw.state.co.us, I know that's a long title, but you can go there and visit our partners page. There you will find my contact information, um, and we can start that conversation. Um, But what you get with the CPW partnership, um, yeah, you do get those shared resources. You get that that network of people that align with your mission for your organization or company, Um, and we can partner on specific projects or programs that pretty much enhance Colorado natural resources in any capacity. So you really do get that, those, the shared resources that we have as an agency while also um, just being ex- exposed to new learning opportunities too. All right. And so I, if I, my understanding is right, when you, after somebody contacts you, if it looks like it's a viable alternative, you do a pilot project. Is that right? So, yeah, I, I think that uh, the pilot program or pilot project is just to to see if the partnership is uh, something that we can do, if it's something that we have the capacity for. Um, and part of that is the initial conversation of uh, talking about what a partnership is and what we would need on both sides for that partnership to, to be successful. All right. So tell us again, we're going to run out of time here in just a few seconds. Tell us again how they can find more information. Okay. You can visit the Colorado Parks and Wildlife website, cpw.state.co.us, and visit the partners page. All right. Thank you so much, Allo, for joining us. It looks, sounds like an incredible program. Thank you. Yes. And I look forward to, if you're out there, you can get in contact with me. My name is Allo Lee, and I would love to talk to you. All right. Thank you, Allo. Have a good one. Bye-bye. You bet. Allo Lee from Parks and Wildlife. We're going to switch gears. We're going to take another short break. When we come back, Jim Ramsey from the southeast part of the state is going to join us, and he's going to update us on the fishing opportunities down there, and I think you might be pleasantly surprised. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Locations up and down the Front Range. If you're an outdoor enthusiast and have never been in a Jack's store, do yourself a favor. 
check them out. And when you're there, tell them I told you to come in. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from southeast Colorado, he's an aquatic biologist, uh, Jim Ramsey. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing good, and you and I usually get together on the phone here about every spring and talk about the outlook down there. <clears throat> and, you know, I think it's it's a it's an underused resource that can provide some of the best fishing in the state. The first thing everybody's going to want to know, of course, is what are the water conditions going to look like? Okay. Well, yeah, that's a good good point to make because the uh, dry summer last year did leave some of our lakes a little bit lower than in previous years, but we do have good water levels and the boat ramps are available and guys can get on the water. And if I know if they're like me that they're itching to uh, get out there and get fishing after a long winter and the crappie bite is about to start and fishing is going to be good this spring. So we encourage your listening audience there on the front range to make the long trip down here to Southeast Colorado, where you can uh, experience a good fishing experience and take some fish home with you. No, exactly right. That's a good point. And as we go through some of the lakes, I want to talk about the fact about taking some fish home with you because you do offer that opportunity. Um, and, you know, another thing about coming down there is you get away. People up here are, you know, the, the metro parks have been overwhelmed and now you can get away from those crowds and you can spread out and probably not have another boat crowding you at all in some of those lakes down there. Is that right? You know, some of the weekends like Memorial weekend and some of the busier weekends, we have some, some somewhat of a crowd, I would say, but most of the time, most weekends, it's pretty wide open. You can get on and off, you know, at Pueblo, sometimes there's a wait for the boat ramp there's very seldom any kind of a wait to use the boat ramps. Uh, you can get right on the lake and get to fishing instead of wasting your time in lines. Let's talk about some of the different lakes and opportunities down there. Obviously, the king of the hill down there, the one everybody wonders about, is John Martin. What do you see happening there? So John Martin has about uh, 45,000 acre feet of water. Both ramps are in the water at the park there, and access will be good. Um it should be a good year for crappie. Crappie numbers are high. Uh, Sawguy, wiper, are both populations are doing well there. Largemouth bass, catfish, all the warm water species that uh, the anglers are after are available at John Martin. And fishing should be excellent this year. What is the size limit on Sawguy there? So we used to have a size limit, uh, but we removed that restriction. So there is no size limit per se. Uh, if you've caught walleyes and saw guys before, you know that a 14-inch walleye saw guy has some pretty good fillets on it, and uh, we encourage anglers to take take some fish, 14-inch, uh, whatever size they want, they can keep. Yeah, and, you know, and people talk about, you mentioned Pueblo, they talk about Cherry Creek and Chatfield, which both have pretty good walleye fishing, but unless you really know what you're doing, it's hard to find those bigger fish in those lakes. And a lot of people go there and they get frustrated because they have an 18-inch limit and they catch a lot of those active males. And uh, you can go to John Martin and take a few of those back for the pan. And uh, the saw guys, uh, my experience has been the saw guys are even a little more aggressive than the walleyes and maybe at times even a little shallower and easier to catch. Do you find that? 
Yeah, that's exactly right. We stalk the saw guys because they exhibit those behaviors, and they have what we call the hybrid vigor, which means that they're a little bit more of an aggressive fish, easier to catch during the daytime. They uh, live in shallower waters and easier for the anglers to harvest. And as you mentioned, our limits are 10 fish, so uh, you can take some home for the pan, and anybody that's ever eaten a walleye or a saw guy knows that that's pretty good table fare. It's about as good as it gets. And so our crappies, you said there's going to be a, a good crappie bite down there, which should be starting pretty soon. And the white bass, you know, if you want to get, if the white bass are on, what a great way to get a kid into fishing, isn't it? That's exactly right. You can catch up to 20 white bass per day. And I've had days out on John Martin where I've, you know, caught my 20 in no time at all and then just started catching and releasing. And I've had 100 fish days at John Martin fishing for white bass it, it can be a great time it really is those what are some of the other you know people are coming down by the way there are campgrounds at john martin state park and there's a lot of primitive camp at a lot of the wildlife areas so folks if you drive down you can find a place to camp usually there are some hotels in the area and but i like to stay in pueblo maybe hit pueblo and the go out in the, the southeast and fish a day or two out there um, what are some of the other lakes that you think might be good opportunities this year Okay, uh, Adobe Creek Reservoir is known locally as Blue Lake, and, and it has an excellent crappie population. Um, nice fish, 11 to 12-inch average. It's got a good catfish population, too, channel cats and blue cats. Those are the two featured species at Adobe Creek, but we also have largemouth bass and saw guys and a few wipers in there as well. So good, good fishing at Adobe Creek. Uh, another one I want to highlight is Ninoshi Reservoir. Um, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, Ninoshi was arguably the best warm water fishery in Colorado, and it's it's returned to some of that status again. It's very good fishery. The water levels are a little bit lower due to the dry summer last year, but anglers and boaters can get on on using the south ramp. We've uh, done some work with our heavy equipment operator and got that ramp in pretty good shape, so anglers can get on uh, on the south ramp at Ninoshi this year. And, and, and Nenoshi uh, just provides a great mix of opportunities. I've fished it in the past for wipers and sagai and crappie. Is that still the case, pretty much? Right. Those are going to be the three species that you're going to have the best success, but there's also catfish and largemouth bass there as well. And then what about Negrande? That gets to be a little trickier, doesn't it? So Negranda has some water in it. Uh, it was filled about 50% back in 2017, and we CPW started stocking fish there at that time. Unfortunately, the water never got high enough to the boat ramps, so access is a little trickier there. So I'm encouraging anglers that want to fish Negranda this year to bring a kayak or a belly boat or, or some way to get out there and fish. Shore fishing is a little bit difficult there because there's a ring of trees that surround that lake. So if a guy's will, willing to wade or put a kayak or a belly boat out, I think you would have a better chance there. Yeah, and you know, kayak and, and uh, canoe fishing, kayaks have just exploded on the fishing scene. And a, a lake like Negranda that you can get out in a kayak, I think you were telling me that it's got a lot of really nice saw guys in it. It has an excellent sawgai population. Uh, it used to be Negrondo was one of the go-to lakes for sawgai, and I, I would say it's as good as it's ever been. Sawgai fishing is going to be excellent at Negrondo in, in 2022. And there's some pretty good-sized ones in there, too, isn't there? 
Right. The last year, last fall, we set some gill nets and did a sample at Negronda, and and most of the sawgai we were catching were in the twenty inch range. So really nice fish. You know, another fishery we touched on a little bit as far as uh, well, let's let's move on. There's one other lake uh, you want. I know you all like to mention, and that's Lake Meredith that doesn't get a lot of publicity. Right, Lake Meredith is only a short drive east of Pueblo. Less than an hour, you can be at Meredith, which is near the town of Ordway, for for people that are familiar with the area. It's a big lake. It covers about 4,000 surface acres. But anglers last last summer were catching really nice crappies out there, up to 13 inches and weighing over a pound. And there's a good saw guy population there, and there's wipers and, and largemouth bass and catfish. So uh, Meredith is is starting to develop into a pretty good fishery. You know, all those lakes out in the southeast are just, they don't get the pressure the lakes do here. And you just set yourself up for a little more success um, and, and a better chance and a better experience because you can almost find a place on those lakes to fish by yourself or at least not be crowded by other boats. And, it, you know, you go down there and you find a way to spend a couple of days. It's just really a great experience. One last thing I want to touch on before I let you go. You and I were talking and I used to love to go down to those lakes down there and fish the largemouth, and we talked about it a little bit. But you told me their hatchery is doing something a little different, so the largemouth are really starting to flourish. Right. The Los Animas hatchery has developed some improved techniques for spawning largemouth bass, and they've been able to produce largemouth bass in large numbers in the past uh, few years. We've been able to stock, increase our stocking rates at some of these lakes and provide more largemouth bass for the anglers. So uh, John Martin in particular is a excellent largemouth bass fishery, and we put bass in all, all of the lakes, and it can be a good secondary species to go after. You know, if a guy's out here crappie or saw guy fishing and wants, wants to go try for largemouth, that can be an excellent opportunity as well. Jim, thanks for joining us. I, I know you join me every spring, and it just gets me my blood going, excited. I haven't been down and fished that area in a while, and it's such an opportunity. And with the number of anglers we've got out in the state now that increased over COVID, I just think it's an opportunity not only to get away, but to have some success fishing and take a few home and put them in the pan. It's just a great area down there that people need to explore. Thanks, Jim. You're welcome, and uh, if, if anglers have questions and want to talk about fishing down here, I'm more than happy to talk to them. Um, they can reach me through the uh, CPW office in Lamar or uh, send me an email at, at the state website. It, I'd be happy to chat fishing with anybody. Yeah, the best, that best, next best thing to fishing is talking fishing, right? I know you're an avid right. angler yourself. <laughs> thanks, right, Jim. I enjoy it a lot. Okay, thanks, Terry. <laughs> You bet. Jim Ramsey, always a tremendous resource. Folks, if you just want to have some success, you know, we talk a lot about the local lakes up and down the Front Range, and we're going to do that, and we're going to talk about some of the mountain lakes later in the show. But these are areas that don't get the pressure they do here. The fish aren't quite as educated. There's good numbers of fish. There's species you can take home like sawgai and crappie for a few for the pan and white bass. And it's just a great experience. Uh, it can get a little windy down there. But, boy, I'll tell you what, the, the fishing experience is well worth the trip. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, Brad Peterson is going to join us. And we're going to talk about some of the fishing going on right around here where my home 
in my backyard, right up here, like around Boyd and the northwest part of the state. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. From our heated moments, there grew a tender love. For all that she has given me, thank the stars above. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. That song is from Wickstrom and Dobrith. Check us out on your favorite streaming service. Let's go to the phone, and joining us is Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. We're going to have to make it a quick one because I didn't know we were going to have that long Masters update in there, but I wanted to talk to you, and I, I think I misspoke and said Northwest, but I want to talk to you about the northeast fishing which would make more sense and uh, yeah, you I was uh, gonna say I, I i wasn't gonna have much to contribute to the northwest yeah well neither do i but that's okay but the northeast you do guide and fish on let's start with lakes like boyd what are you seeing hearing there are things starting to turn on you know boyd is boyd was one of the first lakes to open for boating and when it first opened the lake was about you know 39 40 degrees and over the last two weeks, the lake's popping up to that, you know, kind of mid to upper 40 range, uh, you know, 45, 46, even with the wind that we've been having. So you're starting to see stuff turn on. They, they've stocked it with trout. The white bass are going really good, and the walleyes are just kind of wrapping up their their spawning efforts. Um, they're not usually too successful on Boyd, but they still go through the, uh, uh, the act of it. And... Um, they should be starting to pick up here any time. So Boyd is definitely, you know, just prime, and, and people are getting into the large and smallmouth bass as well. You know, a, a bit, Boyd is a tremendous bass lake. I've been fortunate to catch some very solid bass there. Um, the, the good walleye population, like you you mentioned, but I want to talk about two fish that we don't talk about enough of Boyd that you mentioned. That's the trout and the white bass. Right now, heavily stocked. Shore anglers could have you having a great time on those trout, right? Yeah, I was out on the, the lake earlier in the week, and uh, boy, the uh, the people lining the marina or the boat ramp cove there, um, just catching trout left and right because they stack them right there at that boat ramp. And those fish, as long as there's food, they don't travel too far. So, kind of that middle section of the lake right now, if you're going to be shore fishing for trout. That's where I'd be putting the concentration of my effort in. What about the white bass? Is that mostly a boat effort right now? Right now it is. Those those fish are out deeper. They're kind of at the 22 to 32 foot range, and you know either on the bottom or suspended up a few feet. So it's very much a trolling pattern um, for those. And what I would tell people is to either get some snap weights or some lead core so that you can get your crankbaits down there. And keep your speed under a mile and a half for this water temperature. And we're gonna, you're going to pick up those white bass. What about some of the other further eastern lakes like Sterling, Jumbo? What are you hearing out there? I'm hearing they're still running a little slow. Um, you know, Jumbo typically is going to be the first one to turn on. And I would expect our first warm, stable weather. That should really kick off here. Uh, do be aware that they are doing some construction uh, on the parking lot of the boat ramp there. So until, I think it's until May, but at least the first few weeks of April, they're only going to be open doing inspections on the weekends. So check with the CPW website to know exactly when you can get on there. Sterling is definitely running late. 
and uh, Jackson, they are starting to put a little bit of water in there. So that bite around the inlet should start to pick up. But um, that's kind of the report on those lakes out there. Yeah, and we're all we're kind of in a phase, Brad, and I'm going to talk about this more later in the show where we had some really windy, cold weather. Now we're getting a couple really warm days. Then we're going to get some cool weather next week. So as this weather fluctuates, we may see the bite fluctuate too. You definitely might, but I, I tell you, when I see these fluctuating springtime temperatures, it's going to impact the shallow fish a lot more than the deeper fish. So if you if you've got a chance to be out on a boat, you know, target those deeper fish uh, with with whether it's a trolling presentation or a jigging presentation, and they're going to have a lot less impact from the the colder temperatures, and you should be able to keep fairly consistent on those. Brad, we got to go, but if people want to talk to you more, I understand you're going to be available to the public today. Yeah, I'm going to be at the Shields up in Johnstown. They've got a little event going on, a whole bunch of uh, manufacturers' reps. If you want to come down, I'll be up in the fishing department and uh, come by and say hi. All right, my friend, we will talk to you again very soon, and we got to get on the water pretty soon together. That sounds good, Terry. All right, thanks, Brad. You're welcome. Brad Peter. Brad Peterson, always a great resource. We got a little pinched for time because of the masters there, but we will uh, we'll make up for it. We're going to take a quick time out, and we're going to come back, and we're going to be we're going to be joined by Dustin Ziegler right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. 